This is our seventh session now in Colossians 1, 3 through 8. I think there'll be one more after this, and then we'll move on. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, having heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you heard beforehand in the word of truth, the gospel. That's as far as we've gotten. So now keep going which, this gospel, has come to you. Now, why would he say that, which has come to you? It's so obvious it has come to them. He says it because he's going to draw a connection between it's coming to them and it's coming to others, namely everybody. The whole world is, is hearing and being changed by this gospel, and he wants to make that connection. So, which, which has come to you as, indeed, in the whole world. So, let's just stop right there. Father, as we, as we pull uh, our hearts bigger and as we stretch our, ourselves to get big enough to comprehend the global dimensions of the gospel, I pray that you'd help us. Would you enlarge our hearts to realize this is not a parochial, small, tribal piece of news, and everybody else has their own gospel, their own truth. This is a global, universal claim on us. Help us to see that, I pray. Live in that. Love that. Spread that. Take it to the nations. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why does Paul go out of his way to say, it came to you, the gospel came to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. Now, Paul knows that the whole world hasn't been reached yet. <laughs> he talks in Rome, in Romans, that he wants to go to Spain because he wants to preach the gospel where nobody's ever heard of it, and so that hasn't happened yet. What he means is, as the gospel spread, it is a whole world gospel. Wherever it goes in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. Now, why would he say that? I thought of three reasons. One. It's not parochial. It's not local. It's not tribal. It's not limited. Th these folks in their little town in Colossae shouldn't think, well, there's a gospel for you, and there's a gospel for the Laodiceans, and a gospel for the Ephesians, and you can adjust your gospel and be vulnerable to these false teachers I'm going to talk about. No, it is a, it is a global claim on all of humanity. Second reason, when it goes to the whole world, it shows it's the gospel of a, a great God, not a tribal deity, but a great global, universal, creator, sustainer God. And third, the power to change lots of people. He doesn't just say, as indeed in the whole world it is coming. Like it came to you, it's coming to them. He says, as in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. And when you think about the whole world, just the part of it that Paul knew and had spread into so many different kinds of people, different ethnicities and cultures and um, languages and customs, and this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to bear fruit and to increase everywhere. 
And that has proved true, hasn't it, for 2,000 years. The gospel has won converts to Jesus and caused people's lives to be changed with fruit-bearing everywhere it has gone. What What is bearing fruit and increasing mean? The only other place where these words are found together is a couple of verses later in the prayer. This is verses 9 and 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, very same word, And then he tells us what that means, in every good work, and increasing, and then he tells us what that means, in the knowledge of God. So this increasing and this bearing fruit are the same as this bearing fruit and this increasing. So bearing fruit refers to what happened when they had faith in Jesus Christ, They saw their hope laid up in heaven, the faith laid hold on the hope, and they were utterly transformed into loving all the saints. That's the main fruit-bearing. The production of faith, which issues in love, is the fruit-bearing. The increasing is a little strange. To say that the gospel is increasing might simply mean it's just spreading. But in view of increasing with the knowledge of God, I can't help but think that Paul has in mind here, as the gospel spreads in the whole world, all the ignorance, the vast ignorance about God and salvation and sin and Christ is vanishing. And there's this glorious filling of the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. So increasing in that sense, as well as just spreading. Then we notice something else. As indeed the whole world is in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, To say that it was bearing fruit and increasing among you since you knew grace, what does that imply? It it is bearing fruit among you, and it has done so, and then he draws attention to one thing. It has done so since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth from which I infer grasping the grace of God is the key to fruit-bearing, which is what we saw here. The grace of God is laid up for you in heaven, great gifts of grace. When you grasp that, faith is awakened, and when faith is awakened in that way, love abounds, and so the grasping The understanding of the grace of God yields the increase of knowledge and the bearing of the fruit. 
of love. And then Paul personally links this hearing of the gospel and all of its effectiveness in Colossae with Epaphras, who is a fellow prisoner of his and evidently was the one who evangelized the Colossians in the first place because it says, just as you learned it from Epaphras. You learned it from Epaphras. We weren't there. We haven't even seen you face to face. Our brother Epaphras is the one that brought it to you. And Paul wants to say that, it seems, so that he can commend him, which is where he ends here. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is faith, a faithful minister. Don't think the fact that he's in prison now with me. Don't think the fact that he didn't bring the letter back to you, but rather Tychicus did. Don't think that he's unfaithful, that he's going to be like Demas who forsook Paul and went after the world in love with this age. That has not happened to your friend and fellow servant Epaphras. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He did exactly what you asked him to do. He came to me with the news about you, and I rejoice in his partnership. And then, verse 8, he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And I'm going to pause here and stop and spend one more session on the Spirit. This is the only place in the book of Colossians where the Holy Spirit is referred to, and it's crucial that we see how Paul relates it to everything we've seen here. That's next time.